to Very Amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and it's happened, everyone. I am living my post-Muppets Haunted Mansion life, and I'm loving it. Now, I was a little hesitant to watch the film on Disney+, Plus because I knew, and I do this a lot, I knew that it meant that there would no longer be a Muppets film to look forward to, which I'm now trying to cope with and I'm very upset about, but they better keep churning out these hits because I want Muppets-themed films for every Disney attraction, for every holiday. Can we, we got Halloween now, we got a Christmas one. We, I guess we have a New York one, that's not a holiday, but still, I want more Muppets. I want more, especially after, (laughs) let me brush my hair back, talking to Miss Piggy last week. Can you even believe that? Can you believe that? The amount of texts I got from people. You would think I interviewed Fauci or like the president. People were truly blown away that I got Miss Piggy on the show. And I'm right there with them because there is no celebrity that will outrank Miss Piggy. I mean, think about it. Think about it. Even if I got if I got Jennifer Lawrence, if I got if I got a, a Brad a, a Bradley Cooper, no no no, it's not the same. It's not the same as uh, Miss Piggy. So I'm very thankful that that small dream came true and now I can end the podcast because there's nowhere else to go from here. I'm just kidding, but really we've hit a peak and now we are sliding down the Matterhorn Mountain because that was the highest high I will ever experience. Now, this week, we are talking the 50th celebration at Walt Disney World. I tried to record as many audio recordings as I could, considering my phone has been 100% full for almost the entire month, and I have to keep deleting old videos from Tokyo Disney Sea from 2019 to make room, and I hope I have them backed up somewhere because I'm not very good at that. But I recorded as many as I could, and I have stitched them together here to give you a little bit of a Florida experience, whether or not you were there. I had a blast. I had the most fun. And it's almost kind of exciting to have this episode come out after all of the fanfare surrounding everyone being there and everything happening and everything debuting. It's kind of fun to like relive it now when I have settled back into desk life and it is covered in empty coffee containers and snacks and chippies and way too many, way too many snacks. So much gum, so much gum on my desk. But yeah, I'm very, very happy to relive the 50th with you together this week on Very Amusing. So I'm, this is going to be a long one probably, so I'm just going to cut right to it, but stick around. There's going to be plenty of shenanigans ahead and I cannot wait to take you with me in my suitcase, but safely, I, I poked some air holes, to the most magical place on earth. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Disney World 50th anniversary celebration episode. I don't know if you can hear me, but my voice is doing Kermit arms. Just flailing around because I'm so excited about this one. 
Now, I know, I know, I know, we went very zero to 60 with the on the ground episodes, having done an entire year of Zoom interviews and then blam, two full length in park diaries. But I really wanted to bring y'all along with me. It's the 50th. It's a big deal. And I know not all of us could attend. Not everyone is ready to go back to the parks. And frankly, I've never had the ability to take you along with me to a media event since this podcast began, which is something I always planned on doing with Very Amusing. So I'm thrilled to be able to do it now. If you're wondering what's in store, it's a free vacation right by my side, a day in the work life as my shadow, and a collection of all the many thoughts I have about everything that's new and noteworthy at Walt Disney World right now. But not just right now, because don't forget, Disney's celebration lasts for 18 months, which is so long. The 50th anniversary is a full year and a half. That's the entire length of the pandemic so far. If Disney World's anniversary was a baby, it would go from birth to drinking from a cup and eating with a spoon, according to CDC's website for important milestones at 18 months. Again, I don't have children. I don't know. Just trying to make a comparison here to emphasize how even if you don't think you'll be heading to Florida to experience any of the stuff we're about to discuss, you very well might end up experiencing it on your next trip anyway. I also want to add at the beginning, you know me, I am unbelievably cautious, and I had a phenomenal time at Walt Disney World. I amended things a bit, sure. I didn't go on too many rides. I sat away from people whenever possible. I rented a car, and I was way too freaked out to sit with a stranger on Expedition Everest. Sorry, Shay, for making you take that hit. But all in all, I will definitely be returning sooner than later because I felt really confident about my experience there and how easy it was to prioritize things like outdoor dining, and distancing oneself from guests while still enjoying a very full and robust trip to Walt Disney World. It was so wonderful, too, to see friends, internet folk, coworkers, colleagues, everyone all in one place, all outside. And if you were there and I didn't get a chance to say hello, I apologize. Kelly, if you're listening to this, that means you. And Asher, I'm so sorry. I didn't get to meet you on this trip, but I hear you're a fan of the podcast and Very Amusing loves you right back. So with that, let's get into the big moments, the highlights, the shenanigans, of which there are plenty. We got new rides, we got new fireworks shows, we got new restaurants, new interviews, and a whole lot of honest takes about all of it. We even have a bit of a newsy exclusive, because again, I was there to work. I interviewed people in person, safely, masked, distance, but in person for the first time in a millennia. We got previews of a new Marvel ride. We got space-themed restaurants. We even got me implicating myself in a bread-related crime. Yes, this episode has everything. (laughs) So get excited because I'm going back to Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary celebration, and I'm taking you along with me. So come on, enjoy the ride. newest attraction at Walt Disney World, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, where if you follow me on Instagram, you already know how this is going to end. Right now, I am off to the France Pavilion at Epcot's World Showcase because I'm about to do a ride cam of Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. Now, if you've ever seen a video of me or someone else on a Disney ride, that's something that they offer at these media events. You can basically, they have a camera rig, they record you on the ride, and they send you the file. However, Because it is 2021 and we are still mid-pandemic, 
I realized once my friend Brooke mentioned it that I would be wearing a mask on the ride and also glasses because it is a 4D attraction. So I'm going to be rolling through like the dad and onward on this little, this little rat vehicle and I, talking, just moving my arms. I don't know how I'm going to be expressive with my entire face covered, but we'll hope for the best. It's going to be funny regardless, possibly you laughing at me. Well, little did I know that's exactly how things were going to go. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Like I'm some sort of second coming of Owen Wilson in Cars. Oh, wow. That's what I said on this ride as my commentary. Oh, wow. If you saw that <clears throat> utterly humiliating ride cam video of me, you know this attraction is, uh, it's, it's not very easily portrayed through video or audio, really, but especially through video with two pairs of glasses, a mask, and me sitting solo on the ride basically miming the experience for you. That aside, I stand this attraction. I think it's fantastic. True family fun that fits very well within World Showcase, honoring Epcot's origins while also bringing in popular Disney characters in an exciting, seamless way. This new space, the attraction, which has you scurrying around a French kitchen like you're one of Pixar's lovable vermin. It's just one of the many new things I love at this park. Here's some more of what I thought after my first visit to the newly expanded France Pavilion at Epcot. Thank you. from the expanded France Pavilion here at Epcot's World Showcase, where I just went, sorry for the crackles in my water bottle, I just went on Remy's Ratatouille Adventure for the first time in America. It's very, very bizarre to have just gone in Paris and then immediately gone here, but I gotta say, I gotta say, I think I prefer this version better. The orientation of the ride and the space itself is much more thematic than it is in France. It's very wide open at the Walt Disney Studios Park. And here, there, you really feel like you're in a bit of a city street where a restaurant could exist. So I much preferred that. All right, I just got my hands on two different crepes, one sweet, one savory from La Creperie de Paris in the Epcot World Showcase expansion of the France Pavilion. I'm pretty excited about these. I heard they were good. The ham and cheese one, is oozing with this must be bechamel and pieces of ham like think of an omelet those little pieces of ham that's what we got here it must be a buckwheat crepe because it's brown but oh i just spilled all over the clean stairs oh my god and i think employees are looking at me oh boy oh that's delicious Whoo! that is very good i wish the ham wasn't necessarily like denver omelet ham you know what i mean it's just like those little chunkies but flavor this is great and there's tons of filling, which is really nice. I, um, I am eating a, a creamy food on a hot day, but I feel good about it. It's that good. 
It's that delicious. I had to power through. Mmm. Yeah, this is the one to get. And there's cheese molding on top. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Riding Remy's was part of the first day of our media event, an all-Epcot bonanza that allowed me to do things like dine at Space 220 for the very first time. There are some clips that follow from my visit, which I attended with Valerie Marino, fellow reporter who was in a very amusing episode about theme park journalism back in season one, and Brooke McDonald, another fellow reporter who is more known around these parts for liking the wrong kind of pretzel cheese and loving blue-colored food. Frankly, it's wild that we get along so well considering. But anyway, I won't be giving a full review of the restaurant because my meal that day was a, a little off. And from everyone I've spoken with, it's not at all indicative of what dining there is really like. Since everyone, 100%, I think, of people I spoke with whose opinions I trust raved about it otherwise. So I'll let you know the next time I dine at Space 220, but we'll stick to more of the experiential stuff here on Very Amusing. As you'll soon hear, we got to experience new offerings, have one heck of a night, and even got a behind-the-scenes look at Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, the new family-friendly story coaster, as they're calling it, with a vehicle that rotates 360 degrees and will be Disney's first reverse launch coaster and one of the longest enclosed indoor coasters in the world. So, from breakfast in space to dinner of my dreams, there's a lot there, so hold on for that one. Here's what one day at a modern media event is like, and what happens afterwards. Watch your step as you enter this elevator. We will be on our way shortly. SV-1, you are cleared for departure. Initiating descent in three, two, one. Aloha from Space 220. I have made it to space through a elevator situation that was actually very fun. I'd seen videos of it online and didn't realize it would, it would feel like I was really in an elevator to space. I know that's not how space travel works because that's not what Joe Rohde's designing. He's not designing some big elevator to the sky, but still it was a really nice experience. And now that I'm inside, I gotta say the, the screen is very cool, but it's pretty static. They have astronauts, they're not astronauts, they're uh, quote-unquote people at a at a nearby resort who are floating through space one of them was flying uh, piggyback like Cirque du Soleil style uh, head on shoulders very interesting I don't think that's how um, floating through space works anyway we are here and we are going to try the menu I'm here with Brooke and Valerie and we are going to try different things on the menu I ordered a non-alcoholic coffee drink um, but what's really interesting about this is that like it's it's 10 it, it's 10 in the morning it's like 10 45 in the morning and my body is at 7 45 in the morning and i'm about to order some macaroni and cheese and a mocktail and some sort of salad so this is a typical media day for you 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 get a schedule you show up and sometimes you have mac and cheese for breakfast i don't hate it i'm very excited about it and i can't wait to try it. this music sounds like a spa sounds like a spa i don't know if you can hear it, it sounds like a spa it sounds like a spa Okay, Valerie just pointed out two of these people in their little astronaut suits are holding hands. Oh my God. Can you imagine how bad space PDA is going to be? Like, once couples on Instagram can go to space. Oh my God, they're waving at us. Bye. I mean, they're, they're computer generated. These are not real people. But still, like, oh God, Instagram is going to be a pain in the tuchus when space travel resumes. Okay, bye. Hello from Outside Test Track, the worst place to record a podcast, I gotta say, but somehow I'm here and uh, we're just gonna power through. I have to yell into my phone immediately because we 
We just saw Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, and not only that, but we saw half the attraction. We saw essentially the huge coaster room. It's very hard to explain a coaster you haven't been on and that you haven't really seen in motion. We only saw the track, but I'm telling you right now, I'm putting all my chips behind this one. This ride is going to be unbelievable. Essentially, the coaster room was three stories high. There were three levels of track. And what's interesting about this coaster is that the vehicles will turn. So there are these huge, and I mean huge, media screens that it's very likely these vehicles will be facing those as you go past and then continue out throughout the ride. The track is so long. I believe they're setting a record for it being one of, if not the largest indoor coaster. And it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, if, if you're someone who pays attention to the details of something like rock and roller coaster, this was basically that, but bigger and better and newer and just wild. There are a few sections where you go through these kind of like cutout-y bursts that I was like, I don't know about that. But I think once it's all said and done and the lights are on, the vehicles are in and the media is playing, there are so, the screens in this are I'm so big. They're larger than life. And I think once you pass through those, oh my God, this thing is going to be a behemoth. A behemoth that we only saw one of the buildings. It's a reverse launch into the building we saw and I cannot, I cannot wait to ride this now. I'm almost upset that I saw the coaster track because I'm here in Florida and I want to go on it and we can't yet, but I want to go on. This one's good. This one's good, guys. Get very excited because who, baby, it was cool. If you hear a bunch of crinkling, that's just because I'm currently parked at a Walgreens about 15 minutes away from the Contemporary Resort. And I'm just very quickly, very casually taking an at-home COVID rapid test. I don't have any symptoms. Don't worry. Everything's fine. I just want to be extra, extra certain that I'm staying safe, especially because I am eating maskless in front of about three to four people. And it's just very important to me to make sure that I'm okay and that I don't give them anything because that's the responsible thing to do. I literally just drove away from Disney World to buy a sack of COVID tests, which if that's not 2021 for you, baby, I don't know what is. Okay, no joke though, I'm getting out of my car to go back to my room at Disney's Contemporary Resort with a bag full of Binax tests and I almost went to Portillo's for dinner. Can you imagine how on brand that would be if I ran into someone with a $100 sack of COVID tests and a hot dog from Portillo's? I debated including this next segment in this podcast episode, but I feel like to understand the full spectrum of what this tireless 18-hour day type of experience is like, I have I have to tell you about it. So please know this is not me at all trying to be in any way pompous or talk about things that other people aren't able to do. I just need you to be able to laugh at me like my friends did. <laughs> so here goes. So I never talk. I never, ever, 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 ever talk about media events in the sense that I don't like to discuss things that we get to see that other people don't. Specifically, there are always these nighttime dinners that they set up kind of like a party with different stations and everyone just goes around and grabs food. And a lot of times they'll have like fun, funky stuff. They'll use dry ice. They'll have like big shows about it. And I don't like to post that because it's not guest facing. It's not something that someone going to Disney World will ever experience or need help with. And so I usually just eat my like tiny plates of food and kind of keep my mouth quiet about it. But tonight's event, Deem's repeating. 
So we had a dessert party in the new expansion of the France Pavilion in Epcot, which itself is beautiful. So having a nighttime party there with friends and like people you haven't hung out with in years is incredible. But I walked in and they handed me champagne and I was like, is this real champagne versus sparkling juice? And they were like, it's real champagne. So we started off on a good note. And then I'm like, you know, I don't really want dessert. I'm not a dessert person. and I don't really like love dessert. Then I find out because it's a France event, because we're outside Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, there is an entire table. I'm not kidding. An entire table that is just cheese plates. It is just different kinds of cheese in bulk. Most of them pre-cut up so you could just like grab your cheese and go. I had two gigantic, gigantic plates of cheese to the point where I can't believe I'm publicly admitting this. Oh my God. I, the party ended at 8.15 and at 8.05, I went back to get more cheese. I took like half a wheel of some triple cream goat. I, it's, I really had a problem and I went back and they didn't really have many little pieces of bread left. So I took, I took the decor bread. I took the decor bread. I took like a hand, like a half a loaf of something off of the display and ate my cheese with it. They had raclette. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, it was a dream. I made Valerie Marino, um, who works for Condé Nast Traveler and is a good friend of mine. I, I made her take a photo of me in my true glory in front of the Remy fountain with a cheese plate and a glass of champagne. And it will definitely be a core memory of this career going forward. Oh, what a dream. Now, okay, if you thought <laughs> if you thought the most embarrassing thing that would have happened this day was me eating display bread, buckle up because there's one more thing that is so much worse. It is 1.40 in the morning. I'm about to go to bed and immediately out of nowhere, my brain went, oh, tell them about the sweatpants because I realized I don't think I recorded this earlier today. So when we went to go see Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, when we get to, got to go see the track and stand in the show building. So... Okay, I'll back up. So usually when you're on an active construction site, you have to wear PPE. You have to wear, sometimes they give you boots to wear. They give you a helmet. Occasionally they'll give you safety goggles and gloves, which is usually when it's a work site that's actively being worked on. But because the space we were going to see was closer to being finished and everyone, the Imagineers we spoke with, they didn't have to wear their hard hats as of about a couple days ago. We didn't have to wear hard hats. We didn't have to gear up. Unless you happened to be wearing something other than a longer sleeved t-shirt and pants, which I was, and so were my friends. So we had to put on truly a pirate uniform. It was a button-down striped shirt with sweatpants. We went backstage behind the scenes at Walt Disney World before we went to go see the show building, and they had racks and racks of sweatpants. And so we all had to try on loner sweatpants. My friend Brooke McDonald had these like shearling sneakers from Target that they loaned to her because she was wearing sandals. We had no idea this was going to happen. And the most upsetting part about it is that because we were backstage at Disney World, because we were behind the scenes, you can't take any photos. So there's no photographic evidence, even though Brooke swore she would never let me take one. There was no photographic evidence of us wearing these matching pirate shirts and sweatpants, like doing our job. It was, oh my God, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. I wish I had a photo. Oh, my.
my gosh, I'm so bummed I don't. But yeah, that's kind of what these events are like sometimes. And I'm grateful I recorded that in the middle of the night because now we can all laugh at it together. Again, I'm still like very squirrely about having played that bit about the party because it kind of goes against everything I believe in. But I can't believe it was real. I can't believe there was a full table of cheese. That never happens. That never happens. So I had to put it on the record. I hope you understand. We now move on to the debut of Harmonious, the new nighttime spectacular at Epcot. The soundtrack is fire. It's really incredible. But as I've mentioned online in my writing and on social media, I really take umbrage with the fact that these multi-million dollar barges are out there in World Showcase Lagoon, floating in the middle of Epcot, taking away one of the more beautiful park views and aren't as integral to the show as I thought they'd be. I'm absolutely okay with them being permanently moored out there, which they are. If there's a payoff for it within the show, and it really surprised me to see not famed Disney animation or new interpretations of art done in a cool way on screen, but just kind of basic-seeming computer graphics. Yes, global artists did participate in this show, but the imagery felt to me more like a screensaver than imagery worthy of those brand new massive screens. It just feels like there is so much more that could be done with the displays on those barges, artistically, story-wise, and I just walked away not really loving the show. Now, not everyone agrees with me, which is okay. That's great. Like I said, there are elements of the show that are fabulous, but I couldn't help but fixate on how something just felt amiss, and it all came down to the visuals presented within the show. I think if that was fixed, or if they honored the incredible multicultural soundtrack in a better way, the show could really be fantastic. As you can imagine, I am a positive person. I love to be entertained, but I am honest above all, and it can be somewhat uncomfortable, even right now, to have a certain opinion, like I did and like I continue to have, about something that people worked really hard on and are excited about showing guests and are essentially standing next to you when you're at an event like this. That being said, on the flip side, I nearly lost my mind once I saw Spaceship Earth Illuminated for the first time. Beacons of Magic, which are part of Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary, bring new glowing overlays to iconic structures at all four parks and blew me away at Epcot with its new lighting package. You're going to hear my true genuine shock and awe, as well as some thoughts about everything from your internet favorites right now. Hi from Harmonious, the very first showing of it. I don't know what I think so far. I don't know. I gotta see a firework before I make my decision. So we just saw Harmonious, and I'm going to be real with you. I am in the middle of a media section. Um, I'm not going to lie. I cannot say what I thought about Harmonious out loud while in public, while in a media cluster. So we will revisit it later. But Spaceship Earth, it truly honors Epcot in the best way because it updates it to be modern, but it still honors all of Epcot that was here before. They really built upon the past with this one and it looks so good in real life. No photo does it justice. You have to see this the next time you're in Disney World. Oh my God, this is like a religious experience. The earth, did they turn it into the earth? Oh my God, they turned it into the earth. 
This is unbelievable. This is like, <laughs> my friends are laying down on the ground to take it in. This is so special. You cannot miss this. This is unreal. This is so cool. Hello, we have a special guest here, uh, Craig Williams from The Diz. What are your thoughts on this evening's performances? Uh, I've been mostly disappointed by all of it. Yeah, I, so technologically speaking, there's been a lot of amazing things accomplished by Disney, so I do give them credit for that. Uh, but the emotion is missing. And if you don't connect emotionally with Disney, how do you build the nostalgia with it? It's I, I don't know. I'm just confused by it. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure people connect just based solely on the music alone and they don't need everything else. But I need something more. I need that moment that clicks and takes it to the very next level. And that just never happened. You oh, can I'm, feel I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We got Molly from All Years over here shaking her head with a differing opinion. Did you... You loved Harmonious? I loved Harmonious. What and about I will Harmonious not apologize. did you love? I loved the music. I loved the projections. I love IP though, and I didn't love Illumination, so I'm probably the minority and the opposite. I'm the target audience for Harmonious. Interesting. So, what was your favorite segment of the show? I loved the first section that made me cry was Mulan. No, I'm sorry, because you cried multiple times. Yeah, I cried everything though, to be fair. Okay. Um, I cried at Mulan because she's my favorite princess because she's strong and amazing, yes, and is. I thought it was amazing when they did the like warrior scene, and I thought that was beautiful. And then the fact they pulled out someday which is from the Hunchback of Notre Dame credits as the finale song, that also got me good. Wow. But I loved it. How did you feel about Harmonious compared to this glorious lady Spaceship Earth that we are staring at? I mean, the, there's it's hard to compete with the glorious lady that is Spaceship oh, Earth. She's changing colors again. She's magical and wonderful, but she's not a show. She's beautiful and wonderful, and you're going to want to take amazing pictures in front of it, but you're also going to want to go see Harmonious. Okay, differing opinions here on Very Amusing. Good morning. It is day two of the media event. It is 7.54 a.m. And I basically just jailbroke. I woke up and was like, you know what? I don't have anything till nine. I'm going to the Magic Kingdom. That was me throwing out my leftovers or smelling up my room in a trash can in case you heard that. I'm going, I'm going to Starbucks. I have an hour. I have an hour. I have an hour. I'm just going to run to Starbucks and Magic Kingdom. Very magical. Very fun. And then come back and do work. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I can't believe what's happening. A little escapade. Well, as we say in a particular Jewish holiday, a great miracle happened here because I wandered into the park expecting to only go get Starbucks and the Walt Disney World Vault Collection, the store in Main Street Cinema to the right of Main Street, filled with all the old cool stuff remodeled after all the vintage pins and shirts and accessories, was magically open today. I did not know it would be opening today. This is truly bliss. There's so much stuff in here I want and I was very good. I only got a patch and two stickers and I almost got a little trinket tray but I prevailed above it except now I'm looking at a limited edition magic band with a little Walt Disney World uh, thingy stuck into it it's like a little silicone circle and I'm very tempted by it so here's the deal when I'm in Disney World I like to push it to the limit I don't like to sleep I like to get as much done as possible and I like to cut things really close dangerously close 
so close that it is 8.42 and I have to head back to my hotel for a 9 a.m. meeting and yet my legs are taking me to the castle. I have no control over them. I also just walked past a whole uh, group of broadcast media and I recognized people and I'm like, I hope they don't see me in my jammies going to get a photo of my one pumpkin spice latte of the season in front of the castle when they know I'm supposed to be back in the hotel. It's okay, I'm gonna be back on time. If I have to jog, I'll jog. It'll be good. Happy 50th. Hi friends. I just heard a small child go, and the sign blocks the perfect view of the castle. And I whipped my head around and was like, oh, are you mine? Are you of my flesh and blood? Because that sounds like something I would say. Yo, I'm seeing a train station welcome show with Mickey and Minnie in their celebration outfits. I am never here this early. <laughs> I'm never here this early and I'm not even supposed to be here today. I don't know what happened but I'm loving it. Spontaneity, even with the park pass system is possible. Don't worry, I made it back in time. It was a digital presentation. I was there, I saw the whole thing. And during it, we learned more about Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, which, surprise, I have a bit of a first peek for you right here on Very Amusing. So following the announcement that Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, the forthcoming cruise-like Star Wars hotel experience, would debut on March 1st, 2022, we were given our first peek at the bridge, or really the control center of this entire two-night experience. There was a a lot of news that week and this got a bit buried so I want to spotlight it because I was able to chat with one of the Imagineers on the project moments after that news broke and it was really interesting to hear further details of how the ship actually works and what people will be doing on board while there. Galactic Star Cruiser is somewhat shrouded in mystery right now, as it kind of should be, but I know it's also led to some confusion and uncertainty about what happens and if it's right for you and your family. So even while everyone is very tight-lipped about the true experience aboard, this should give you a little peek behind the curtain as to what you can expect if you do choose to book a room on Galactic Star Cruiser. Here's Sarah Thatcher, Senior Research and Development Imagineer, to tell us more. I just want to talk to you about the bridge. That is really the first look we've gotten inside Star Cruiser since, I mean, I've seen every rendering up close that exists. And so it's really nice to see a physical space. Is there anything else you can tell us about the interactivity or how guests aboard will use the bridge? Absolutely. Great question. It's such an exciting space. This is a location where we're inviting guests to come in and learn all about the different functions of the bridge and actually get to try their hands at it. So they'll try their hands at some of the weapon systems or the shield systems. We're actually going to train them on all these different systems so that, you know, in the unlikely event that something might go terribly awry on our one fateful cruise, they'd be prepared if a space battle were to break out. And so Passengers may get some secret invitations to come back as our action continues and be able to put those skills to use. Oh, very cool. So it's a space that you envision guests going in throughout the day. It's not just during a certain time. It's really like a living space yeah, aboard Galactic Star Cruiser. It is. It is it is actually the heart of our the heart of our Star Cruiser is the bridge. It drives not only our journey through the galaxy forward. So what's really cool is our passengers are going to actually get to pull the hyperspace lever and move us through uh, as we go on our journey through the galaxy. Oh, cool. And I imagine that would be reflected on screen or I'm sorry, out, out of the window aboard the ship. <laughs> That's right. 
That's right. So as we jump to hyperspace, actually the whole ship jumped to hyperspace together. So passengers, cool. no matter whether they're on the bridge or in our atrium <laughs> or in the cabin, surprise, all see that <laughs> hyperspace streak as we move to our next adventure in the galaxy. Oh, that's so cool. I love that, that if you're in your room putting stuff away, you kind of know what's going on on the bridge from looking out your window. That's right. We're, we're all on board the same star cruiser together and we're all on the same adventure. That's so cool. Is there any certain aspect of the bridge, especially, I mean, when I see buttons and levers, I just want to touch them. Like that's what we've learned from, from Smuggler's Run is that when there's stuff to be touched, yeah. everyone's going to touch it. Is there anything on there that like people should keep an eye for? Eye out for? Like any like special lever, special button that makes things happen? <laughs> I got to say, one of the coolest things about our Star Cruiser is that everything works. Oh my God. Because our passengers are going to be here for uh, a full stay. We want to make sure that everything that's in reach, everything is functional. We want the whole Star Cruiser works. So you'll be able to push all of the buttons and more on the bridge and everywhere else. Oh my gosh. And the bridge is a space for adults and children, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, one of the things that we've really focused on is actually creating an experience that fosters a sense of cooperation of we're all in it together. We're all manning the bridge together. We're all crewing the bridge together. And that sense of cooperation and teamwork is something that really comes through not only in our play, but in our story. What's really terrific is these, all of these different interactive systems, all of these ways to help the ship, whether you're guiding the shields and keep deflecting debris as it comes at us, that is all part of this living working bridge that as our characters, let's say our captain comes aboard the bridge, she's able to direct us to go perhaps, go perhaps on a detour and pick up a important package for the resistance. Ooh, real Star Wars-y to go yeah. having to find something on a mission. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Sounds dope, right? You're not only going to be on a quote-unquote ship and things are going to, you know, happen, but you actually get to play in part in controlling things. I never approached this as an attraction of its own, but hearing more about the gameplay within the ship and specifically in this bridge space has me even more curious about what happens on board, and I cannot wait to hear more about Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. I spent the rest of that day doing interviews, some research, and enjoying lunch at Steakhouse 71, which surprised me. This new restaurant at Disney's Contemporary Resort is good. Not only was everything I tried absolutely delicious, but they really had some unexpected items on the menu. I had a vodka gimlet made with seed lip, a non-alcoholic spirit, which was a surprising choice, and even got to try the vegetable Wellington, which I'll discuss shortly. At this point, the word on the street for Steakhouse 71 is all about the cheeseburger, and I gotta praise my friend Shay Spence, who tipped me and kind of everyone else off about how good this burger was. It's great! And I really thought the level of food, execution, and dining experience here, along with one of the best waiters of all time, I'll add, made for a home run. Greetings from Steakhouse 71, former home of the wave dot 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 of American flavors, one of the silliest Disney names that exist, but no more, because we are here with a new menu, with cocktails, which I'm ordering in the middle of the day. Why not? It's not like it's a business trip. <laughs> it's fine. Anyway, uh, I'm looking at the menu. I think I'm going to go. I heard the brioche is great. I'm going to try that. I'm maybe going to get a burger, maybe going to get a steak. Who knows? 
knows? It's a, it's a celebration. I can't wait. Mainly, I just need to tell you about a fishbowl-sized cocktail that just moved through this restaurant that I think we're about to order. It is a, like a fishbowl. It is a like get after it. You're 27 and you can still digest alcohol fishbowl. So I got to know more. I just ate essentially half of or almost the whole menu of everything that is at Steakhouse 71. I sat with All Ears Disney Food Blog, so I was able to be truly with a panel of experts who helped guide me to try everything on the menu. But we had a dish that I completely snoozed on, I'll admit it. It was a vegetarian twist on a beef wellington. There's no beef in it. It is vegetarian and it was delicious. It was so good. And I had an unbelievable steak frite. There was also a burger that was a home run. There was pork belly on the burger, which wasn't listed on the menu, which was a bit strange, but I just picked it off because I didn't like it within the flavors of the cheeseburger. But the cheeseburger was incredible. Disney Food Blog was describing it as a diner burger, which I fully agree with. My steak was fantastic, but this vegetarian beef wellington was on the table during dessert and I stopped eating dessert. I stopped eating that huge chocolate cake to eat the beef wellington. It was fantastic. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So I have been in the Contemporary Resort Convention Center all day. Basically, there are all of these really cool socially distant little rooms where you can go in and do an interview, do a video, see new products, see new foods, see the ride vehicle for Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. They have all these interview stations and it's really, really well set up. There is one interview station that was for asking about Disney Enchantment and asking about the costumes the cast members are wearing in entertainment. And earlier in the day, I had that interview scheduled and I was like, you know what? I really don't, I don't need that for this podcast. And so I moved on with my day. And then I ran into my friend from Disney Food Blog who told me, go to the last room and talk about costumes. And I was like, no, 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 I don't. I'm good. Like, I don't really, I don't really think I need that for my work. And she was like, go in there. There's a special guest. So I did. And the special guest was Mickey Mouse. It was Mickey Mouse. Do you understand what it's like to see Mickey Mouse indoors after this very, very long pandemic? There was a moment where I walked in and I was like, hi, I don't need an interview, but I'd love to see the special guest. And they were like, yeah, yeah, sure. Come on in. It's totally fine. And so I walked in and I went to the next people and was like, hi, I'm here to only see the special guest. And Mickey Mouse straight up jumps out from behind a wall. I wish I had it on video. He was just like, Da-da, hi, I'm here. And I could not, I could not contain myself. I, there was a moment when I was like, I might cry. Like I might be at a work event and cry over how magical this is because we haven't seen Mickey Mouse indoors in years, in literally rounding the corner of almost two years it's been since we saw these characters indoors and in arm's length. Now granted, Mickey was six feet away at all times, all the rules were met, but to see him indoors was so special. Oh my God. From there, we leap ahead to nighttime. I was lucky enough to attend the preview of Disney Enchantment, the new nighttime fireworks show at Disney's Magic Kingdom, which was the same evening display that was streamed online. Something I know because... Well, you'll see. Recognition of the Walt Disney World 50th anniversary. Our magical celebration will begin in just 10 minutes. Thank you.
front of Cinderella Castle. Christina Aguilera just came out as a surprise performer and we wanted to be dead center for the show, which means that there is a production booth behind the partner statue that is exactly blocking Christina Aguilera. So we're watching her on the live stream <laughs> because we wanted the view for the show and it just fully ruined our ability to see Christina. Thank you, Bob. A couple of Bobs up here. <laughs> and good evening. Walt Disney was a man of extraordinary vision. And while he had many bold ideas and great accomplishments... be a downer, particularly because I have discussed this elsewhere at length, but Disney Enchantment just isn't for me. I'm a happily ever after person through and through. To me, that's a perfect fireworks show with unbelievable projections, a dream soundtrack, and pitch-perfect storytelling. And while the vocal performances here are great and Angela Bassett is a wonderful fit, I just don't think the show is as strong as Happily Ever After. Full stop. Still, I don't want to dwell on it because there is so much more to enjoy, like the actual 50th celebration on October 1st and plenty more I hadn't experienced yet. So here's everything else that I did while I was in Disney World and that I recommend to you. Hello! We are out here for Magic Kingdom's 50th anniversary. It really does feel like a birthday party just because everyone on the internet basically walked out of their phones and appeared in the park. Oh my God, I just saw a small child pull the sword out of the sword in the stone. It was incredible. I've never seen someone in real time pull the sword out. Oh my God, this is incredible. Okay, I need to take a picture for them. Oh my gosh, that was so magical. A small child pulled up the sword and her parent was just so blown away, did not expect it to happen and got it all on video. Oh, it was great. Anyway, I am currently about to do a plastic cheese showdown with Brooke McDonald because as you know, she loves peel top cheese and I detest it. And I am going to get actual nacho cheese from Fryer's Nook. Today, <sighs> mobile ordering is not been great. I understand there's a lot of people in the park, a lot of people ordering food, probably more than usual because it's a different type of fan coming today as opposed to a regular park day. But we've been waiting about 45, 50 minutes for our order to be filled. But it's just given us time to get a pretzel so we can do a dip in a real cheese with a Mickey pretzel, which is all I want today. And I can't wait for it. The good thing about being in Magic Kingdom today is that you know, it's mostly diehard fans. So everyone's waiting in line to see new merch and to buy specialty food. So the wait times are like nothing. We haven't been able to, well, I haven't been able to ride anything yet, but we're walking over to Big Thunder and I think it's a 15 minute wait, just middle of the day, park at capacity, able to go on a ride real easy. So I'm very excited for that. Otherwise, uh, it's nice to be outdoors. I haven't been indoors basically at all today. 
So it's nice to just be like out on the water, looking at characters, having a good time and eating some good cheese. Also, I ran into so many wonderful people. So if you were listening to this and we got to chat for a bit and you said you listened to the podcast, even if you didn't, it was wonderful to meet you. It's very nice after the bonkers 18 months we've had to see people in person, even like friends I've made online that I hadn't really met before. I finally got to see them, which was wonderful. Greetings from the new Main Street Confectionery Colonel Kitchen, something that I, a popcorn obsessive, should be thrilled about, but instead am horrified. I gotta tell you, I'm wearing a mask. I'm wearing a good mask. I'm wearing a medical mask. There are multiple layers inside this mask and I can still smell the atrocities that are happening in front of me. First of all, I don't know who thought to put chocolate sauce on top of popcorn. That's one thing. Popcorn is a handheld food. Sauce makes it not a handheld food. And if you're gonna have like a sit down experience with a spoon, maybe, but also don't put cheddar corn into the mix. Don't put that rainbow corn that's like immediately gonna make you just liquefy your insides for the next 18 to 24 hours. Do not put that in the mix. I am oh, very upset with what I'm seeing. It feels like blasphemous as a popcorn lover. I do not like it. I do not support it. I gotta get out of this Colonel Kitchen, right? I smells, the smell is overwhelming and I'm wearing a mask. I hate it. So just to be very real with you, what I just saw happen in the Main Street Confectionery is not good. Not only are all of these Skittles topped items melting in the bakery case, something I've never seen in my entire life, but it truly feels like Disney, who just kill it when it comes to sweets, kill it when it comes to treats, have found a way to make dessert nauseating. I'm very upset about it. It was horrible and I couldn't get out of there fast enough, which is not my typical response to a bakery case full of treats. So yikes, yikes, yikes. It's a big old thumbs down for me. Don't even need to try anything. No, thank you. I have never been more excited for any Disney entertainment in my life. I just saw Happily Ever After for the last time ever. I saw back-to-back -back two new Disney World shows and I am at Kite Tales and I am the excitement is palpable. I cannot wait to see these things in the air. I can't wait. I literally can't wait. I can't handle it. I see them sitting there and they're going to fly soon. I see the jet skis. Oh my God. Life's a whole lot different when you can just mobile order caramel popcorn from Caramel Couche. You don't have to wait in line. You can just get it whenever you want. I'm walking past. Usually I load up. If I don't see a line outside, I'm free. I'm free. I can just order it whenever I want and grab and go. Oh, revelation. Oh boy, I am inside the new Club Cool. I am here with Brooke because I could not do this experience alone. It is a emotional journey for me. Now, this place is much nicer <laughs> than the old one. It does have that sweet Epcot sewer smell that uh, some of us have been talking about lately where it just it smells like Florida well water in a way. But regardless, I am so happy to be here. There's, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, about six or seven soda stations not soda in the round like we're used to and the flavors are different from before so there's a some sour plum there's some ones i haven't tried i'm waiting in a queue to approach a station which i appreciate very covid friendly these stations are a few feet apart so i don't hate it but oh my god club cool club cool's back club cool's back oh my god i can see the tiny cups i can see the tiny cups i am at the soda machine this is thrilling there are new flavors we got Oh, how am I going to pronounce this? Bonbon Anglais from Madagascar. 
which all of them are sweet and fruity and actually very good. Country Club Merengue, also sweet and good. Minute Maid Joy Apple Lychee is great. And as Brooke mentioned, it's not carbonated. And if it was, it would be a home run. But it's basically like the most delicious juice you've ever had. The Philippines Royal Watermelon Sour Watermelon. It's delicious. And now I'm about to try Smart Sour Plum from China. And uh, Brooke's kind of freaking me out a little. She's making me think like this is something I, I got to focus on. So be right back. You know, as someone who has fooled people with Beverly over the years, I should have known that when Brooke pulled out her phone when I went to try Smart Sour Plum, that something was about to go down. It tastes like artificial barbecue flavor. I don't know why. And I, I don't want to be inconsiderate to the Chinese culture in case Smart Sour Plum is a beloved flavor. But it is not for me. No, no, no. And I like plum. And I kind of like sour plum. And that was just something else. Okay, from Russia, Sprite Cucumber basically is a spa beverage. I swear, if they rebranded that as, like, spa Sprite and sold it in Los Angeles for $5 a bottle, people would lose their minds. It's very crisp and refreshing and good. I'm going to say the hits are Minute Maid Joy, Royal Watermelon, Country Club Merengue, and Sprite Cucumber, which, as Brooke mentioned, is, like, a perfect end to the beverage jaunt. Oh, my God. Can't believe Club Cool is back. We're back, baby. Anyone who's uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. FrameBridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. I love the mementos I framed with FrameBridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, and even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer. And it thrills me to no end that because of FrameBridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. FrameBridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. To get started, head to FrameBridge.com, because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's FrameBridge.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com.
Hannah from Cleveland, Ohio. My favorite thing about driving from Cleveland, where I live now, to Cincinnati, where my family is, is just listening to your podcast and then talking about all of the cool things I heard on your podcast to my family. We've all loved the parks ever since I was little and started going. And so I guess my question for you is, being a quote-unquote adult Disney person, do you ever run into having to explain to people, like, yeah, adults really love Disney, and have you ever had to deal with criticism for being an adult Disney park fan? I find myself meeting new people in Cleveland and doing a ridiculous like justification claim that I love Disney, which I just feel like I shouldn't have to do. Would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for being such an awesome role model and for making such a great podcast. Hi! Oh my gosh, thank you so much for calling. I feel a little Midwestern guilt that I can't be with you on your full, what, like three, three and a half hour drive. And I would, I feel bad that I'm only there for an hour. And then you're like, oh gosh, what do I listen to? Music? So uh, maybe I'll make a, a jumbo episode just for you one day. The three hours of me is is a whole lot of me. Anyway, I'm so thankful that you tell your family about the podcast. I feel very blessed and also like a like a Midwestern relative that this is all happening in my in my former homeland. Anyway, I have so much to say about your call. So I I feel very very strongly about this issue because as longtime listeners know, I began outside of the theme park space. I began as just a beat reporter on different subjects. I was doing fashion. I was doing music. I was doing fitness. And I kind of landed in this job because I had a very natural curiosity about it after I (laughs) went to Disney World for my bachelorette party, which like, how did that... If I didn't do that, where would I be right now? (laughs) Would I be reporting on Las Vegas? Who knows? Anyway, I feel very strongly about this because... I used to be on the outside, and now I'm on the inside. And now that I'm on the inside of being an adult Disney fan, because I'm very passionate about theme parks, I now can fully grasp and understand how rich and vibrant and wonderful of a community this is. I really feel, again, I I could give a full speech on this. I feel so strongly that people, especially adults who are into theme parks, have really untapped something within themselves that many other adults do not have and have not untapped. We have the unique ability to be able to go somewhere and live just freely. We are able to enjoy what we enjoy, like what we like, take pleasure in live entertainment and fun attractions and amusements and things like that. And I really think that in adulthood, you close yourself off from childlike wonder and joy. And Disney people, Universal people, people who go to theme parks, people who even go to amusement parks to ride roller coasters exclusively, anything in that spectrum, we really have tapped into that childlike wonder that other adults have kind of shoved out of their own lives. I think a lot of people have this flawed perspective that you can only enjoy things like theme parks if you have kids or you have kids with you. But it all comes back to the original idea that Walt Disney had for Disneyland was that adults don't have to sit on the sidelines and watch their kids do things. They can do it with them and they can do it without them, which is what I think the modern adult Disney community is all about. Yes, I I may have the Walt thing. I may have mucked up a bit because that was supposed to be with your kids. But either way, you don't I don't have children. You don't need children to enjoy these things. So for me, Being a Disney adult myself, knowing them, I feel like we have really tapped into a secret 
of living. And people who are on the outside, people who don't get it, they look down upon it just simply because it seems weird to them. But if they actually knew what it was like, they would probably be jealous that they hadn't found it sooner. I did a big story for Glamour magazine in 2019 around D23 Expo, which I'll link to in the show notes because it's very relevant to this. But I interviewed a bunch of women who are Disney fans there, a lot of whom you probably know because they're popular on social media. And I remember that everyone kind of echoed the same sentiment. It was a lot of saying how people don't ridicule others for liking sports. So why are they making fun of adult Disney fans for liking Disney? It's something they're passionate about. It's something clearly a lot of people enjoy. And there's substance there. There's art, there's culture, there's design, there's food. There's so many different aspects to life that are all wrapped into being a Disney fan. So I think that anytime anyone judges an adult Disney fan, it is my job to stand up and yell at them for why they're wrong. I mean, you got to keep in mind, when I started this job, there wasn't a lot of Disney coverage in mainstream media the way there is now. Especially, like, I started about six years ago. Instagram wasn't even what it is now. Social media wasn't the same. Influencer wasn't a term that existed. So things have changed across all platforms so much in the past few years. Thankfully, that means that now we can connect with each other through mediums like this, which is wonderful. But back then... I mean, my the only reason I have a job is because a few editors let me convince them that this is a legitimate thing to cover. Before, uh, Disney coverage was kind of just for families and for parents. It wasn't for people like us. And I love what it has come to at this point, whether you have children, whether you don't, whether you go with your parents, with grandparents, with anyone, just yourself, just friends, solo, you are able to do all of it and take the joy that you want from it. And I think it is such a wonderful thing to be able to find something that you like, especially in adulthood when things aren't really set up for us to do that. And you can connect with these wonderful places, can connect with other people who also like them. And it's it truly is something I'm so passionate about. I always joke that whenever I end up at a wedding, I'm like, I got to find the one Disney relative. There's always like one person there who's someone's cousin's aunt who went on a Disney cruise and loved it. And I love that no matter where you go, truly, you can connect with someone over these places and these experiences. And if you haven't yet, I highly recommend just being like, is anyone here a Disney fan? Whenever you're in a large crowd of people, and you'll find one. It's very easy to make friends that way because of Disney. And I'm I'm very, very thankful that I wound up in this space. So thank you for calling to letting me rant about <laughs> Disney adults and how great they are, which means that obviously I love every single one of you who are listening to this because you get it. You understand how to have fun. What else was I doing in life before I could just yell and wave at Goofy on a parade float? That brings me so much joy. I just love to be entertained. And if I wasn't, oh my God, you know what? If I wasn't doing this, I'd probably be like very into magic. Maybe the Las Vegas route would have worked out into something else. But regardless, I, I just love to be entertained. I love to have fun. I love community. And Disney provides me all of those things, which is why I am lucky to be a Disney adult and to know other ones. So I hope, I hope that answers your question with my uh, extensive speech on it. And thank you so much for calling. Disney adults forever. Don't make fun of us because it just makes you look ignorant. Oh, Carly, 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 that episode about Disneyland Paris was everything I needed today. And just when I didn't think it would get any better, I heard your mom's voice in the background and oh, tears, chills, all of it. Hope you had an amazing trip. Um, anyway, listening to you in an international theme park made me think how much I'd love to hear. And maybe you've done this already. Um, I don't recall, but ranking your theme parks worldwide in order of must-visit. Um, if you have done it, maybe it's changed over the past couple of years considering all the 
recent developments, but would love to hear your must-dos worldwide in order of must-visits. So glad you had a great trip. Wonderful episode. Thanks. Bye. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad you enjoyed the episode. It was really fun to put that together, especially considering this <laughs> this podcast launched in a pandemic that we're still in, which was never the plan on either end. <laughs> so I'm really glad I was able to bring you some of the experiences that I typically would have year round and haven't lately because of everything that's happening. Now, I I actually don't remember if I've ranked my theme parks worldwide either. And now that I'm sitting down to do it, I'm I'm very torn, so I'm going to talk you through this, but it's not going to be a standard ranking. Just know that in advance. Now, my must-visit theme park, no matter what, is Tokyo Disney Resort. Tokyo Disney Sea is the single greatest place on earth. It is beautiful. I've I think I've talked about this at length in the Duffy episodes, and probably anytime anyone says the word Japan, I'm like, do you want me to tell you about Tokyo Disney Sea? I'm obsessed with it. It is a beautiful place. Everyone who has come back and evangelized it is is telling you the truth. It's wonderful, and part of the reason it's wonderful is because of the culture and because of the people there. I actually wrote a story about this for Bloomberg, which again I'm sure I mentioned in the Duffy episode. I can link out to it in the show notes, but. I cannot recommend Tokyo Disney Resort, especially Tokyo Disney Sea, enough. So if you have the opportunity to go to one international park, go to Tokyo. Go to Tokyo. It's my favorite city in the world. That's my favorite Disney resort in the world, save for Disney World because that's where my heart is. But I highly, highly can't can't recommend it enough. It's so beautiful. It's so they spent so much money and like. You can, if you're a Disney fan, when you go there, you're like, why, why did they put so much effort and time and money into these tiny details? And it's because the park is not owned by the Walt Disney Company. It's owned by the Oriental Land Company, and they have different preferences, different objectives. It's designed by Imagineers, but it is done for a different audience. And that similarity and the differences between the culture and America and the designers and Disney as we know and what actually came out of that product, it's... Oh, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, I miss it so much. I went right before the pandemic and I can't wait the moment they open Japan. I'm on a plane. I'm just going to let you know now if there's one time when I call in and I'm like, sorry, guys, no pod this week. I'm in Tokyo. It's going to happen. Just prepare for it. I don't care how much it costs. I will be there. Now, moving on. The other international parks we have are Hong Kong Disneyland, Shanghai Disney Resort, and Disneyland Paris, which I just went to. Disneyland Paris Design-wise is my favorite of those three. It is stunning. It is so beautiful. It's my favorite castle of all six parks. It is so beautiful. But Disneyland Paris is not my favorite theme park vibe. This is going to come as a shocker to many diehard Disney fans. But after Tokyo Disney, the other park that I've had the best time within is Hong Kong Disneyland. Now, Hong Kong Disneyland is typically joked about as being, you know, a day-long park. You don't build a whole trip around it. It is, it's one park. It's quite small. It's basically just if Disneyland was it and there was no DCA, nothing, just Disneyland in Hong Kong. And I, I, I was not, I was not expecting it, but I spent three days there and didn't want to leave. I had such a wonderful time because it's so small and intimate that I went, by the second day, the 
the people working at the coffee shop remembered me. Like it was just such a nice experience that because it was kind of calm and because it was small, I was able to really pay attention to the details and go through every land as many times as I wanted, go on every ride as many times as I wanted. And I was able to just become very, very familiar with everything there. That being said, uh, they also got Duffy. So Disneyland Paris no longer has a Duffy presence. But Hong Kong Disneyland does. There is a location on Main Street, I believe they still have it, where you just wait in line and one of the Duffy characters is there. They rotate them in and out throughout the day. So I was able to meet Christmas time Shelly Mang, Christmas time Duffy, and it was so wonderful. I went there myself. I went on like a three day trip to Hong Kong all on my own, and I had the best time ever. So Hong Kong is actually ranked number two for me. After that, I would say it's a tie between Shanghai Disneyland and Disneyland Paris, because while I love everything design wise about Disneyland Paris, Shanghai Disney packs so much more of a punch with rides that you can't experience in other places. They have Tron Light Cycle Run, which we will be getting at Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. But beyond that, there is truly no other park like Shanghai Disney. It is very, very unique. It is very big. And the attractions they have there, a few of them are never going to come here. I'm sure I've talked about this before, but Challenge Trails at Camp Discovery is essentially a ropes course in a Disney park. It's a workout. It's mildly terrifying. Like you, you're just climbing through the mountain. It's so, it's so intense. <laughs> it's so intense. I love it so much, but that's something that like American legal will never, ever, ever, ever clear. So you kind of have to go to China to go, to go do all these things. I typically recommend trying to fit Shanghai and Hong Kong together in a trip. I know I've talked about this before, but I kind of clump them together in one visit in my brain, but personal preference, Tokyo's on top. Then design-wise, Disneyland Paris would be second. Experience-wise, I would rather go to Hong Kong second. And then after that, Shanghai and Paris are tied just because they're so different. And it depends if you want to see something or you want to experience something. I really, really, now that I've been to Shanghai a few times now, I was able to like really enjoy Disneyland Paris on this trip because it was so beautiful. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to soak it all up. Uh, Disneyland Paris is the only international park that is easily accessible right now. So keep that in mind. And I had a, I had a lovely time there. And oh, once they finish their expansion, I think it'll be really, really, really solid. So I hope that helped. I basically just yelled at you to, uh, to go on vacation for about 10 minutes. <laughs> But Tokyo, oh, Tokyo, man, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Hi, Carly. So I have two questions revolving around you and your post from the 50th and all that kind of stuff. First of all, how do you find all of your cute outfits? Like, I aspire to have a closet as adorable as yours. And all of your clothes are so unique, especially the Muppets dress. Oh, my gosh, I'm in love. Um, and then the other question is a lot of the iridescent, like new foods and everything are blue. And I know you don't eat blue foods. So I was wondering how that was navigating the parks. Like if you really felt like you were missing out on anything. Thanks so much for all you do and all your reporting. Bye. Oh my gosh. You are so 
kind. Honestly, I mostly buy stuff at Target. I have this very sisterhood of the traveling pants outlook about Target where like you find the clothes that are meant for you. I will shop the same selection as friends of mine and they will leave with things that look fabulous on them that would never work on me and vice versa. So I am big into Target. I usually buy at least one thing from the Who What Wear collection and then I I wear them all the time. I really don't like to pay attention to trends, to seasons, yada, yada, yada. I like to have things that I like in my closet and I wear them truly for years and years and years until they fall apart. So that's uh, that's kind of how I do it is that I hold on to things forever and ever and ever. Now, I the Muppets dress is a unique situation for anyone who doesn't know. I wore a dress made by this designer, Franklin J on Instagram, and it is made from a old Muppets bedsheet. Getting a Franklin J dress is a whole situation that is worth it. There was a special Muppets drop and you have to buy it, no joke, within 15 seconds or it sells out. So I was on top of it. I was shocked I was able to get it. I was shocked it fit because I don't know my measurements and I just tried for the best. I thought the arms were going to rip when I wore it to Magic Kingdom. They did it. So it was a small miracle. But typically my shopping philosophy is it has to make me laugh. (laughs) Like if I see a weird shirt that makes me laugh, I'm buying it. It has to be fun. Like it has to really be something I want to wear. I hate like the back section of my closet. That's all stuff that I have to like shove my body into to wear to a wedding. Not interested. I don't even want to open that bag. I just want to wear stuff that's fun and is lighthearted and like makes me happy. That's all I care about. It has to be comfortable has to be comfortable. But for Florida specifically, I kind of rotate in and out the same 10 to 12 things because I get warm so easily and it is so hot there and I don't really own a lot of summer clothes. So if anyone has like fun summer clothes recommendations, let your girl know because I desperately need them. But yeah, it's it's pretty wild that uh, my only answer to like, where do I, how do I shop is like, and there has to be a return policy. (laughs) Because I'm very picky. If I don't love it when I buy it, I'm not keeping it. So I have to be able to return everything because I don't I don't like buying things online that are final sale. Oh, it's too hard. I'm getting very into the real real because I found some cheap Rachel Comey pants for 80 bucks that I needed to replace because the ones I had got ruined. But uh, I, I will soon evangelize about the real real. But those not for not for the theme parks with theme parks. I have truly a box of Disney T-shirts and I rotate through them. And that's how I do it. Also, Uniqlo. Woo! So much Uniqlo in my wardrobe. The best. Oh, the best. And Big Bud for pants. They're my favorite. They also are very, very hard to buy. You have to be online when it happens. But if you happen to get something in a sample sale, you can get fun pants. They they send you a surprise pair of pants. And a lot of my pattern pants were just these surprises that I got. So I love them. Now, <laughs> moving on to more pressing issues. Blue foods. If you're wondering how I navigated the parks, uh, the answer is I didn't. I didn't eat any of them. I had no interest in them. I didn't even see them. It was not on my radar. It was not something I was going for. And I wholly ignored the slew of blue foods that have descended onto Walt Disney World to celebrate its 50th anniversary. Now, I and I know some other people do not feel this way to each their own. I am not someone who needs to chase a new food. Sometimes for work, I'll have to try new foods, but I tend to steer both my writing and my life away from temporary 
offerings. We're talking food festivals. We're talking uh, any of this seasonal stuff, anything 50th anniversary. I try not to cover it at all, period. I am all about permanent offerings, stuff that I can recommend to people and that I can enjoy for years to come. That's why I'm always talking about cheese. I'm always talking about caramel corn because I know that people's schedules, mine included, don't always line up with these foods. And I don't want to, I don't want to eat something that I love and then have it go away. And I don't want to tell you that I ate something I loved and then have it go away and you can't have it. I am a strong believer and this is very philosophical, but I believe that if it was that good, it would be there year round. So I don't even mess with any of this stuff. It's bad. I know it's bad to be in this line of work, but if you have any questions about Epcot Food International Food and Wine Festival, anything like that, I am not your person because I was in Disney World for an entire week and I didn't even look at a booth menu. I may have walked past one and been like, yum, that sounds good, and just kept on walking and got beans at Mexico Quick Service for lunch because I just don't I, I can't. I just want the permanent stuff. I can't mess with these weird blue cupcakes. I love following Disney Food Blog for that because they keep me up to date. But otherwise, um, as you'll probably hear in this episode, because I'm pretty sure I'm going to leave the interview in, I, I interviewed the, I believe he's the head chef at Magic Kingdom. And I was like, listen, man, I don't like blue food. What? What do I do here? And he told me he doesn't like it either. And then directed me to one item, which actually looked pretty good, but it I'm not going to eat it because it's blue. But anyway, yeah, that's how I, I navigate it. And then it's hard being friends with someone like Brooke McDonald, who when she calls me, the photo that comes up with my big phone screen is her drinking a blue milk, which I don't love. So yeah, I, I keep away from it even when it's of the moment. I don't eat it, and I recommend the same for you. P.S. Along those lines, I did ask the Disney Food Blog team if they have been experiencing um, any glitter coming out of them the way it has entered them because all the iridescent food has a lot of glitter, and I have not heard a response, which I feel like is a sign that there's like a little too much glitter in the food. I'll follow up and let you know what I hear. But regardless, I'm, I'm staying far away from all the seasonal blue food, even if it is in vogue. Not for me. Thanks so much for your call. That's our show. Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you to everyone I spoke with at Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary. You can find more Very Amusing wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to us, rate us, subscribe, follow, do whatever you'd like over at Apple Podcasts, which I hear is the big place because you can rate us there and not other places. Anyway, I hear it's just a five-star bust system. You could give me four or three or two or one stars, but I guess if I tell you only five stars apply, then maybe you'll only do five stars. Just give us a little, you just, you just press them. It feels real nice to be like, yeah, I like this. Blam! And press the five stars. I, I would appreciate it very much because we've been hovering at a 4.9 for a while because couple of meanies like to slide in and write rude things. So if you want to give us, boost us to a little five-star action, it would be greatly appreciated. Otherwise, you can find us elsewhere throughout the internet. So please just 
and just listen and enjoy. That's why we do this, just so you can have a good time while driving or cleaning the house or doing whatever you do while you listen to podcasts. Keep on calling us at 747-CHUROS, where our hotlines are open 24 hours, 7 days a week. Yes, 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 we will accept your late night thoughts, your early morning quandaries, whatever it is. If it has to do with theme parks, drop it on the line. And if it doesn't, I mean, you can call in anyway, and I'll I'll try and I'll try and solve any other woes you have. But I may not have the correct expertise for other things like how to deal with coworkers because I haven't worked in an office in a very very long time. You can find more of me online on Twitter and Instagram at Carly Wiesel. You can join my Facebook group, The Fomaly, at Facebook.com/groups/slash/slash/CarlyWiesel. That's let me repeat that for you, facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. But the group is called The Foamly. If you Google The Foamly, you'll find us. Also, I probably shouldn't say this on mic, but whatever. Um, I was recently told that Starbucks knows we exist. It's a Facebook group that I started because we were all obsessed with this Starbucks product called Cold Foam, which is not like a normal thing that exists. But when it when it started, it blew my mind and many others is. And apparently I'm told Starbucks knows we exist, which is wild. So if you want to be on board that train, that free train, uh, feel free to join us. We talk about theme parks, about life, about we try to help each other find things at stores in the park. If you're trying to get something, it's called park shopping. Basically, uh, any travel agent discussions, sharing uh, your businesses, everything, head over to Facebook and join our group, even though Facebook is a whole situation. But I love our little community and I really don't know where else it could be. So head over there to hang out with us online. You can also read stuff I write, etc., etc., at Carly Wiesel. I think those are all the URLs I have. As you can tell, I did not write out notes for this outro, so I'm just winging it. But I think those are all the things. Those are all the things. Just hang out with me online. I'm there all day, and I would love to chill with you. This podcast was edited patiently by Jeff Fox, who I have emailed week after week after week, being like, I I know, man, things are wild right now, but I swear I'll have audio files to you. Oh, no, I didn't get them in in time. I guess I'll edit it myself, and it sounds bad. Okay, bye. For like four weeks in a row. Jeff Fox is a saint. Uh, This is Jeff's first week back because I was finally able to get him some files in advance. I did a little bit of this podcast. He did the majority of it. If it sounds good, he did it. If it sounds bad, it was your girl, me. So thank you, Jeff Fox, for being the most patient in the game. You are the best, and I'm so lucky to have you. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Hi, sweetheart. Of course, this episode of Paris Disney is my ultimate favorite. I have to say that of all the vacations you have taken me on, this was by far the greatest one. Being with you and feeling safe with you is everything. I have not felt like that in two years. I just have to say everything that they did in Paris was so beyond and the precautions were in place 
I felt so free and so safe for the first time after being shredded in for a year and a half. I have to tell you, this gave me life again. I am so happy. I'm kind of sad to be home because it's back to kind of how it was before we left. But Paris was definitely much safer, and I loved it. And I want to thank you for taking me. The memories that I have made with you during this trip will last in my heart forever. I love you so much, and I'm going to cry. So I'm going, I love you.